God's house today. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 5 today. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen for your convenience. Uh, just so you know, if it's your first time here, we're a loud bunch, and I'm sorry. But we're family around here, so we're just one of those rowdy families. If you hear Garrett clapping like a crazy person, he's just excited. Come on, we're just amen, and we're excited about God's Word. Are you ready for the Word today? If you'll stand with me, I I just love to honor God's word. And so we stand for God's word. We stand for so many other things. I think it's appropriate to stand for his word. Uh, And the Bible says this in Romans chapter five. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter five, verse six. And this is the passion translation. So it may be a little different if you have a physical Bible with you. Uh, Starting in verse six. For when the time was right, the anointed one, that's Jesus, came and died. Catch this to demonstrate his love for sinners. Wow, that's so powerful. Who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Verse 7. Now, would anyone dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if somebody was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love. Catch this. For us. By dying in our place, while we were still lost and ungodly, one more verse. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. That just makes me so grateful this morning. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning. I just want you to touch your neighbor, give him a high five, whatever you got to do, and tell him my title. My title is God's Not Mad at You. Come on, say it loud and proud. God's not mad at you. Father, thank you so much for every person that showed up today, but thank you even more for your presence that's here with us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Just touch your neighbor one more time and say, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. He's not mad. Love is a fickle thing. How many of you know that? Love is a fickle thing. Because often love in our eyes is based on a feeling. Can we stay there for a second? You see someone and you feel something for them. I met Pastor Faye. We lived four hours apart. There's no way we would have ever met each other. We went to the same youth camp as kids, but churches didn't really talk to each other back then. Everybody was competing. You ever been to a church camp like that? Come on. And, and we would have never met, except I went to this youth rally, and I was, I was playing the, the, the piano, and I had gone out to my car to get something, and I'm on my way back in, and I held the door open for her. Men, chivalry still works. Come on, somebody. Come on. It still works, and, and she, she is a beautiful, beautiful woman, if you don't know her. Uh, I married way up. Anybody else marry way up? Come on. All you men should say, yes, I did. I married way up, and, and I remember she, she touched me on the shoulder, and I was single at the time. She touched me on the shoulder and said, you played so good tonight, and I thought, who is this fine woman of God touching me on the shoulder right now? It was a feeling, an attraction to her. 
But that doesn't mean it was God's will. We go off of feelings all the time. I don't know about you, but every Sunday night after I preach my guts out on Sunday morning, I just have this hankering for white castles. And I regret it every Monday morning. Come on. It's a feeling. Come on. Have you ever gone into Target? I'm about to get into ladies' business now. Come on. Have you ever went into Target and you said, honey, I'm just here for a few things, and 40 hours later, I got one of everything. Come on. Who am I talking to today? Because I bought something off of a feeling. I didn't plan to buy it, but man, it's sure I need that. I don't know why I need 20 storage totes right now, but man, they look good. They're the color that I'm going to paint my house in 10 years, and I need those now. It's based upon a feeling. So, so imagine this with me, if you will. Have you ever imagined what happens after the romantic comedy is over? Do they really get married? Do they really stay in love forever? You know what's worse? What happens to the lady who gets left at the altar? Come on. Like now she has to pick up her pieces and, and go about her life. And these two terrible people that have just ruined a future marriage. Come on. What happens to them? Do they stay? This is all for all the old folk in the room. Come on. Do they stay at number one on their MySpace top friends? Come on. I know it's supposed to be Tom, number two. Thank you, everybody. Do they stay there? Come on, where are they at? Because did they break up afterward because it wasn't really love? Was it just a feeling? Come on. And in so many of the movies we watch in love, people make huge commitments. They'll leave the fiance in the middle of the of the, the wedding ceremony to pursue the one that they've been talking to in the snowy mountain lodge. Come on, two days before Christmas, I'm, I'm getting in your business, come on. They give up their family inheritance to marry the person that their father doesn't want them to marry. Come on, they quit their dream job because it means they can be with Boo Boo forever. We do this stuff on feelings because these were demonstrations of their love and their feelings. This is how I feel but how I feel isn't enough. I'm going to demonstrate it to you. Come on. Now, ladies, I'm going to help you out here. You can pay me for it later. Come on. Men, don't just tell her you love her. Demonstrate that you love her. Oh, ladies, you should have helped me out there. Come on. Come on. The front row's got me. Don't just tell her. Demonstrate it demonstrate it and don't just demonstrate it when you want something in return that's not love now lazy's lazy goes the same for you come on come on don't just tell them you love them don't just feel it live it come on demonstrate it put your love into action now just give your neighbor a high five and say you gotta demonstrate come on come on you gotta demonstrate Now, religion, if you've ever been to our church and maybe you're new here, we are not about religion in your church because religion has never done anything but hurt people, push people out of the will of God, tell people that Jesus is something that he's not. Come on, we're about the kingdom of heaven here. Religion, catch this, has always been about you 
not being able to get yourself to where you need to be. And every religion in the world, you can name anyone, requires you to do certain things in order to get to God, except for one. And that is the faith that we live out. Now let's go back to verse six. The Bible says this, for when the time was right, the anointed one came. Somebody say he came. And he died to demonstrate his love. Now, I want you to notice that it says he came. You couldn't get yourself to the father. So the father sent his son, the anointed one. Now, I'm going to pause right there. This is in my notes, and I'm sorry if I get excited and yell at you. I'm just excited about the word today. They they say uh, preaching and teaching are two different things. I'm going to tell you the difference. Ready? Teaching is telling. Preaching is yelling. (laughs) And I'm I'm apologizing in advance for yelling at you today. But the Bible says that the anointed one came. Now, when we study that word anointing, we go back to Isaiah 61 that said the anointing is upon me to break the yoke. Jesus didn't just show up to get you a get out of hell free card. He came to do so much more than that. He said, I didn't just come to give you life in eternity, but life here and now more abundantly. Jesus was saying, I came to get you over the depression. Oh, where's my help out this morning? I came to get you out of your sickness. I came to get you out of toxic relationships. I came to free you from that loop and that pattern that you needed to go look at stuff on the computer late at night because you weren't fulfilled. Uh Uh-oh, I'm touching something now. Come on. God came to free me from that stuff. The anointing comes to free me. Somebody say, free me. He came to free me. He came. He did not have to come, but he did it anyway. Get this this morning. He came despite your flaws. He came despite your sins. He came despite your unfaithfulness. Come on, catch this this morning. Tiana, he came despite you not serving God until you were in your 30s. He came when you were running away. And he came when you had a lack of faith. Somebody say a lack of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a lack of faith this morning. Come on. But despite all of that, Jesus came. Despite all the stuff he knew that we would do in 2022, he came. He came anyway. And not only did he come, but he died. He died. Because listen, it's one thing to show up, but it's another thing to show up and to show out. Jesus said, I'm not only going to show up and teach you, but I'm going to prove to you that I love you. I'm going to prove to you. What is this? It's what he said. It's demonstration. I'm going to demonstrate my love to you. So now I want us to understand this morning Jesus's why. Because it doesn't say that he came to demonstrate the power of sin in our lives. Come on. I've been around some preachers that all they do is preach on sin. Anybody been in a church like that before? Jesus didn't come to show you how sinful you were. The law already did that. Religion already did that. Come on. The law could never save us, but only reveal how much we needed the Father. 
So Jesus came, catch this, to demonstrate his love to sinners. Now, here in this moment, we'll talk about how Jesus has made us righteous. We're no longer sinners. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things passed around have become new. I told our church last week that, and I used to say this too, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not a sinner anymore. I have been changed by the power of God. And now, as Jesus said, I am now the righteousness of God. I'm not the same that I used to be. I'm righteous. Come on. I'm righteous. It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter what I will do. As long as I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, I am the righteousness of Jesus. Now, come on. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I'm the righteousness of Jesus. I'm the righteousness of Jesus. So remember, let's remember for a second. Remember when you were a sinner trapped by your sin. Can we just remember for a moment where you wouldn't be without his love? Come on. Remember when you were trapped by the concept of religion and you thought you had to do stuff in order to earn his love? Oh. When you thought you had to come to church in order for God to love you, you had to read your Bible in order for God to love you, you had to pray in order for God to love you. It doesn't say any of that. Remember when you couldn't get free on your own? Come on, remember when you and your spouse used to talk about divorce and fighting because you were doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing, but God, but God, come on, but God, remember when all you could do was strive to get better? Listen, I want to tell you in your remembrance this morning that he came to demonstrate his love to you, to you, the 14-year-old you. The abused you, man, I feel like preaching right now. The right now version of you, the version that's struggling right now and is stuck in the same pattern over and over and over. Well, I messed up again. God's mad at me. I did it again. He's mad at me. Jesus came and died for you knowing that you would mess up over and over and over. I feel like preaching to somebody today. God came despite you because he loves you. Somebody say, he came for me. Now, if you're thankful for that, just give him a hand clap of praise right there. So we understand that Jesus came to demonstrate his love for sinners, but Paul goes on, put verse six back up there, if you will. And when the time was right, the anointing one, Jesus came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. This is so powerful. Because I can remember times in my life when I was helpless. I can remember times in my life where I was weak. Anybody else in the room? I can remember times in my life where I was powerless to do anything about my own sin. Because can I give you a revelation this morning? You will never save yourself. You will never save yourself. As hard as you try, as much as you strive, as much as you do, you will never be able to save yourself from the grips of sin. Ever, 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 ever. Somebody say never. Never. You will never be able to save yourself. Well, pastor, I know that. Only Jesus can save a precious soul of a precious child of God. I don't know why I'm talking like that. (laughs) 
If we really believe that, then why do we live the way we do? If we really believe that only Jesus can save, why do we strive to save ourselves every single day? This is revelation that's been wrecking me this week. Because even as a pastor, even as somebody who seeks God, I have found myself striving for his love and for his approval. But I cannot save myself. Sure, we know that we need Jesus to go to heaven one day. We understand all of that. That's basic theology. But we don't need Jesus to save our marriage. That's how we think. Yeah, I need Jesus to save me, but I don't need Jesus for my mental health. Preach, Pastor. (laughs) Come on. I know I need Jesus so I don't go to hell, but I don't need Jesus in my marriage. I don't need Jesus in my finances. I don't need Jesus for my kids. And some of y'all are like, the devil's a liar. I need Jesus for my kids. <laughs> we think we don't need Jesus because here's why. Catch this. We got it. I got my marriage. That's why 50% of marriage is in the divorce because we got it. That's why more people are depressed, anxious, and suicidal than ever before. You know why? We got it. Just being real this morning. We got it. Come on. Yeah, pastor, my life's going down in flames, but I got this. I got this. No. You will never save your marriage. Mm. You will never save your kids. You will never save yourself. Only Jesus can do that. Come on. Because you will never get free from your addictions by yourself. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room. You will never have true peace by yourself. You can buy a better bed, but you can't buy a better night's sleep. I love my mattress. I hate sleeping anywhere else but my house. I used to love going on trips to hotels, you know. I hate it now because I love my mattress. It's a purple mattress, and it's made for big dudes like me. Come on. It's great, but that won't give me peace. I can listen to to calming music and, and, and I can meditate on God's word, but unless I have this, I won't have peace. Come on, somebody. Do you know why? Because in ourselves, Paul tells us, we are helpless, weak, and powerless. I need Jesus. I said, I need Jesus. I didn't say you. I said, I need Jesus. As a man, I need Jesus to keep me pure. As a man, as a husband, as a pastor, I need Jesus. Come on. I I don't just want to get out of hell free card. I want something that works for my life right now. Come on. And today, Jesus says, this is so freeing. If you can get this in your heart today, I did it so you didn't have to. I paid the price so you didn't have to. You don't have to have it. I got it. Yep. I, don't you love when people pay for the bill for lunch? Yes. Come on. Come on. I, I, if my staff hears me say, hey, we're going for lunch, they automatically know yeah. pastor's got the bill. Come on. They know. But I love when people are like, no, nah, I got that. I got that. I got that. I got that. That's what Jesus says today. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And sometimes... Maybe you aren't this way, but this is me because I'm human nature. If I had known someone else was going to pay for the bill, I would have gotten something better to eat. (laughs) 
because I'm, I'm on a budget, you see. That's why I got grilled chicken when I could have had filet mignon. Come on, just be honest in the house. I would have I gotten some apps. I would have got that chocolate stampede cake in Jesus' name. Come on. The specialty sodas that you only get one of? Come on. I'd be racking up that bill. And then the person says, I got you. It feels good. A lot of us have racked up a lot of bills with the way we've lived. A lot of us have spent our lives doing things that just adding up. But Jesus says, I got it. I got you. I paid the debt. I paid the price. Catch this. Why? Because I love you. And some of us in this room have trouble receiving this. It's the same people that don't like the song Reckless Love. If you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not against you or anything. But a lot of people say, well, that is theologically wrong. And I think a lot of people are, are just looking at it surface level. Because if you look at what Jesus said, because people are like, God's not reckless. Everything God does is in order. Absolutely. But how reckless is it to send your only son to die? Come on. That's reckless. That's not, that's not responsible. That's how much his love is for us. And some of us have trouble receiving this because religion has taught us that Jesus came to save us from the wrath of an angry father. And religion has taught us that God is mad at us because we're sinners. Now let's correct theology here. God hates sin. He does. He absolutely hates sin. But do you know why he hates sin? Because it separates us from him. That's why he hates sin. Come on. I believe this morning that he hates sin so much because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. He had perfect relationship with Adam and Eve. What separated them? Sin. That's why he hates sin. Sin took us from Eden and made us to strive on our own for our own salvation. That's one reason why God said to Adam, from now on, you will do it by the sweat of your brow. He was talking about crops and harvest, but he was also talking about a sin nature that you will strive on your own. And because of it, you will work so hard that you will begin to sweat. Am I talking to anybody in the room this morning? God hates sin. He hates it when a family is torn apart because of addiction. He hates it when infidelity tears apart a marriage. He, can I just go deeper? He really hates it when a child is abused. Come on. He hates it when sin keeps you bound. But here's what I want you to know today. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. Let that settle in your spirit for a second today. I know on my normal near church, people are like, man, pastor, you are calm today. <laughs> this revelation has been sitting in my spirit since Monday morning. And I've sat in my office and just cried. And I'm not a big crier. But I've just sat and cried because of the revelation of the depth of God's love. He's not mad at me. He's mad about me. Yeah. He's not mad when I mess up. He's mad that it's separating me from him. Yeah. 
Because he wants relationship with me. Come on. We have a father this morning that is madly in love with us. We have a God who gave it all so that we might be changed. And now when I come into salvation in Christ, I go from being a slave to sin to a son and a daughter or the term beloved. Beloved. And a lot of us have trouble receiving that word beloved because people use it all weird. Come on. But notice what the word is made of. It's made of two words. Be loved. Be loved. Some of you are having trouble accepting the love of God in your life. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Be loved. Be loved by the one who made everything that you see. Be loved by the one who sent his only begotten son to die for you. Come on. Now, this is truly hard for some of us because many of us have had people in our lives that said they loved us. Walk out. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus will never leave you and he will never forsake you. His love won't run out on you. You can mess up again and again and again and again. Man, you can go back to that computer again and again and again. And guess what? His love's not going to run out on you. Man, I feel this this morning. You can stumble and fall time and time again. But his love's going to say, get back up. We're going to beat this thing. Come on. You can have a mental breakdown time and time again. But you know what's not going to run out? His love, his unending, unfailing love for me. Come on. There is no mountain, no river, no sin. There's no broken marriage. There's no addiction that his love won't climb after coming after me. Come on. If you've experienced this love, just give him praise right there. If you're thankful for the love of Jesus. Is this helping you this morning? Now let's go to verse 8. Paul continues and he says, But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Now it's easy to demonstrate your love for someone who does it back. It's easy. Come on. If someone says, I love you, it's easy to say, I love you back. Or if you're like me and tell your your future wife that you love her two weeks after meeting her, she'll respond with, well, thank you. <laughs> she said it a few days later, come on. But it's easy to love someone when they love you back. But catch this, Jesus died when? When we had it all together, of course. That's not what it says. Jesus died when my marriage was fixed. No. Jesus died when I started coming to church and tithing and praying and doing all those things and serving. No. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. That should wreck your whole life. The next time you're ungrateful for something in your life, just say, you know what? I may not have it all right now, but Jesus died for me. When I was still in my sin. He died to show us the passionate love of the Father. It would be hard to die for someone who hates you and curses your name. Jeez, y'all. It'd be hard to die for some of these Bowling Green drivers. 
Sometimes I'm driving and say, I want you to go to heaven, but I really don't like you right now. (laughs) But Jesus would. Because Jesus died out of love. Now, verse 9. And there is still so much more to say of his unfailing love. I want to tell you today that his love never fails. In every season of life, his love is faithful. I said in every season of life, his love is faithful. His love will carry you through every season. It'll carry you through the divorce, the mental breakdown. Can I get real this morning? The tornado. His love will carry you. I said his love will carry you because this is not a fickle love. This is a love that doesn't leave when things get tough. This is the love of God. Somebody say his love never fails. Now, he continues and he says, now because of this, because of the blood of Jesus, you are now righteous. Somebody say righteous in my sight. We are now the righteousness of Christ. He's cleansed us with his blood and he said, you are now the righteousness of Jesus. You don't have to be, I want to tell somebody this morning, you don't have to be who you were. You don't have to be who you were. I know your mom did it, but you don't have to do it. I know your dad may have been abusive, but you don't have to be. Come on. Well, pastor, my whole family was addicted. Why do you have to be? Come on. You know why? You're now the righteousness of Jesus. You are beloved. You are the righteousness of Jesus. Why? Because he took my place. He took my place. He died to save me. Can we just take a moment and thank him? That he died. That he gave his entire life that you and I might be saved, healed, restored, delivered. Come on. He died for my broken marriage. He died for my toxic relationships. He died for those things that are so dark within me that I don't want to talk about. He died for that. He died for that. That sin you're going to commit tomorrow, he died for that too. That sin you're going to commit in two years, he died for that too. He already knew and he said, I got it covered. Now, should we live this way and just sin because we know God's got us covered? Absolutely not. His love should transform us into a new creature in Christ. But when I do fall, he's got me. Come here, Garrett. Come here, Joe. I'm gonna do a little sermon illustration. Don't you love sermon illustrations? The Bible says, I want you all to catch me. I know I'm big. I lost five pounds this week. Stop judging. Come on. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to take a step forward. The Bible says that goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. This is the love of God, okay? This is his love displayed all the days of my life. The good ones, when I don't need them. When I don't yell at my kids. Come on. When I make dinner on time. (laughs) When all the bills are paid. When I'm not fighting with my spouse. Things are good. Thank you, Jesus. But it says all the days. 
which means when I do stupid stuff, they got me. Come on. Come on. When I fight with my spouse, and it's definitely my fault, they got me. Come on, somebody. When, when, I, when I'm being a toxic person, come on, they got me. When I've had multiple mental breakdowns in one week, grace and mercy got me. Because listen, God's love is not just for a church moment. Ugh. God's love is not just for you to feel right now. It's to pick you up in every single season. When the tornado hits, he says, I got you. When your house falls apart, he says, I got you. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit here. When everything in life doesn't seem like it's going to make it. Good job, guys. I'm going to pay you for this later. I got you. When my marriage, I've already signed the divorce papers. He says, I've got you. Because goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Come on, give God some praise right there. Thank you, guys. If you're glad for the love of God that has carried me, stand to your feet, if you will. The love of God that has carried me through every season, every storm, and every test. It's the love of God. The love of God, if they'll come to the music this morning. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. And I know, I'm sorry about my mic. Some of you in this room may have thought, God must be mad at me, and that's why my house is gone. The devil is a liar. His love is proved today by the fact that you are still here. The love of God. It transcends all feelings. It goes beyond situations. And it picks me up right where I am. God's not mad at you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And this morning, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, I want to ask you a question, and there's no pressure in this room. There's no one looking around. This is a moment between you and the Father. If you would say, Pastor Andrew, I, I've heard you preach about this love this morning. And it's doing something in my heart. But I've, I've never had a relationship with him. But I want to. If that's you, I want you to stretch that hand towards heaven. Stretch that hand towards heaven. Yeah. Now, how many of you in this room would say, that I need a deeper revelation of God's love for me. Lift that hand in the air. I think all of our hands could be lifted for that one. Yeah. Here's what I want to do. They're going to sing that song again. And what I want us to do in this moment, I'm going to pray over you. And then, we as the body of Christ,